coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me today is my co-host, Curtis. And today we are very excited to actually be talking some real football. I know, it's a novel idea, right? We came across the FPI win percentage numbers that ESPN, they do this every year, but they, they released the, this year's version uh, within the past week or two. Um, and if you're not familiar with the FPI win percentage numbers, basically it's where they predict each team's chance to win each game on their schedule. So we saw the numbers that they put out for our 2020 schedule, and we thought it would give us a really good opportunity to actually talk some football. That's what we love to do. That's what you guys really want to hear. So that's exactly what we are going to do today on the show. First, though, we do want to make sure that everyone knows where to find us out there. We are running our April mailbag episode next week. So go ahead. We've already had some people start seeing questions. So you can be, certainly be hitting us up with those questions anytime over the next week. Start seeing them in. Any and all questions you want us to answer, we are uh, ready to answer all of them. So anything goes, football, recruiting, basketball, quarantine stuff, quarantine life, anything you want us to talk about is fair game this month. And you can send us those questions on Twitter at glory underscore UGA. Or you can email them to us at gloryugapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, your questions, man, you guys never let us down with the mailbag questions. And so we are excited to see what you have on your collective minds this month. All right, let's talk some ball. And man, I have to say, that feels really good to say. I know in this world where sports apparently just don't exist anymore, it feels good, at least in our little world here, to talk some actual football. Uh, now, obviously, we don't know if this season will be played or how it will ultimately be structured if it is played. But let's just say, guys, for the purposes of this episode, let's just kind of live in a fantasy world of happiness and joy and just pretend that all 12 games will be played as scheduled, at least in the order that they're scheduled, and with full crowds. Now, it might not happen in the fall. We'll see. Um, I guess we have some time to figure all that out. But what I'm going to do very simply is I'm just going to go down the schedule and reveal the percentages that the ESPN Football Power Index, their FPI, gives us to win each game. And then we're going to discuss whether that's too high, too low, or just right. So let's get started and take it from the top and uh, open with uh, our season opener in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta against the Virginia Cavaliers. Kind of an interesting matchup here. Uh, the Cavaliers are coming off of an ACC championship game in Orange Bowl appearance. Now, they didn't win either one of those, but, hey, they got there. And for that program, uh, that's a significant step in the right direction. So Bronco Mendenhall, head coach Bronco Mendenhall, has got this program uh, with some forward momentum heading into the 2020 season. So, Kurt, if you look at the ESPN FPI, they are giving us a 95 3% chance to win this game. Yes, it's in our backyard, but against a team, again, that was in the ACC title game, uh, maybe by default, but there, and also um, made an orange ball appearance. And, you know, they never really threatened to win that game against Florida, but they were at least competitive in that game against Florida. But here ESPN's FPI is giving us a 95% chance to win this game. So in your mind, is that too high, too low, or just right? Um, To me, I think that's just right. Um, You know, their biggest weapon was their quarterback, and they're losing him. I mean, they're losing a lot of pieces just in general. So I don't see them being – they're going to be a shell of what they were last, last year, this year. 
You know, and I can I can totally see that, but and, and I know this sounds crazy for me to even remotely say that Virginia is going to even give us a game. And I'm not saying they are, but like 95 percent chance to win that game. And look, we I have I fully expect us whenever we play Virginia, if we play Virginia, to roll out there and win that game comfortably. Like really, there's not much of a question in my mind, but. I have a lot of respect for Bronco Mendenhall as a coach. Now, Virginia is not a traditional football power. They shouldn't even be on the same field as us. There's no doubt about all those things. But this is a program that is trending in the right direction. You're right, though. My concern for them, um, and it's not a concern for them, but like they have to be concerned about the fact they're losing Bryce Perkins, who was such a crit- – like he was basically – their offense. Um, there, there's just no doubt about that. They had some good solid receivers. They had no, he was the, at the very least he was their running game. Um, and offensively they're losing a ton. It's not just Bryce Perkins. They are losing uh, who I think were their two best receivers. Uh, Assis Dubois and Joe Reed. Dubois was their leading receiver from a yards and reception standpoint. Joe Reed um, battled some injuries. Was he was at the number three receiver from a statistical standpoint? But I think he was probably their most dangerous actual weapon when healthy. So those guys are gone on offense. They only returned 51% of their overall offensive production. And and that's, that's kind of scary for a Virginia offense that even with those players that we just mentioned that are gone, they were only 81st nationally in total offense last year, only averaging 388 yards a game. And then 51% of or 49% of that is of that production is gone. I, I, I guess maybe you could, you could plug and play some guys, but Virginia's not the kind of program. Are they cursed? They kind of just, goes out and recruits and reloads are they that, that that kind of program no not at all and that's why i mean like if you look at us we'll probably be losing a high percentage of our offense but we've also recruited at such a high level that we can do that we can plug and play where they can't exactly like you you mentioned our numbers yeah like we're like 99th in the country returning offensive production we're returning 50 like straight up 50 percent of our of our offensive production from last year's team but you, you hit the nail on the head. We recruit in a different stratosphere than Virginia. Like, we can plug and play and reload. Virginia, that's just not how that program is built. They build it from the ground up, and it's they kind of cycle up, right? Um, it's kind of, look what Bronco Mendenhall has done since he's gotten there. He started out with 4-8, and eight, then 2-10, and 10, then 6-7, and seven, then 8-5, and five, then 9-5, and five, pushing 10 wins. That's kind of what they do. And they lose all that talent. They're going to start – I'm not going to say they're going to drop down back to 2-10, and 10, but I don't see a 9-win season for Virginia next year. Now, I will say to, to – their credit, they have a lot of returning production on defense. They have nine stars coming back. 81% of the returning uh, uh, production from last year is, is coming back. But my question there is, like, how good is that returning defensive production? They were only 48th in total defense last year, uh, 77th nationally in yards per play, and only 62nd nationally in scoring defense, giving up 27 points per game. So, yeah, they're returning a lot of players off that, that defense from last year. But that defense was average at best. And that was – those numbers are against, you know, an ACC schedule. And they play – in. The ACC Coastal, which is the worst uh, division and maybe all of college football, I guess is what I would say. So that's pretty rough. But for me, like I'm going to say it's a little too high. And the only reason I say that, and, I'm, I, and I, when I say too high, it's all about I think it's probably around like 85 to 90% chance for us to win this game. And the reason I say the big thing for me is the fact that this is just our first game. Does that concern you at all, Kurt, the fact that we have a new offense coordinator, new quarterback, uh, a lot of our offense production gone? Is that concern you at all coming into this game against a Virginia defense that does return a lot of production? Um, not as much, and I think it's just – I think that we're just a better team, and I think that's why I have confidence in our team. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, I have 100% confidence that we're going to win this game. Like, It's honestly not even a thought in my mind that we're going to lose it. Um, but in terms of like 95%, 
I don't know. I would probably say around 90%. So just ever so slightly too high because I do have respect for Bronco Mendenhall and I do have, I don't, know, I don't know if it's questions, but like we we have to realize that we are working an entirely new offense with a new quarterback without spring practice to work, without the team being here throughout the, the spring and, the, and probably most of the summer. We'll see how that works out. So for really that reason alone, I'm going to say 95.3% is just ever so slightly too high. Uh, but let's move on to the second game of the season. Now this one we're going to spend about – 10 seconds on East Tennessee state university ETSU. The ESPN FPI has given us a 99.9% chance to win this game. Kurt, like that's accurate, right? Yeah. Very, very accurate. Yeah. I mean, that's this, I mean, that's, this is not even an FBS team. So let's just not even spend any time on that and move on. We're going to win that football game. We know that's just a matter of uh, how much do we win it by? And do we get out of the game without any injuries? That's really the concern there. So let's move on to the big one on the schedule. There, we have a couple big games on schedule this year, but this uh, might be the biggest one. And uh, with, with potentially the argument, the cocktail party is right there as well with all the ramifications in the SEC East. But this year we are traveling for the first time since 2007. We are traveling to Tuscaloosa to take on the Alabama Crimson Tide to try yet again to get over that Bama hump. Now, this is the one game on the schedule where ESPN gives us under a 50% chance to win. So we are the underdog according to ESPN FPI going into this game, which I think most people nationally would probably say. Um, but they give us a 27.5% chance to beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Kurt, is that too high, too low, or just right in your mind? Um, I think it's just right. Um, you know, I think that in the end we'll be a more talented team. But the thing is, like, it took – you saw – um, the type of LSU team it took to go in there and beat Alabama, and that was still like a pretty close game. It's probably one of the best LSU teams you'll ever see, um, especially yeah. offensively. Yeah. Um. So, and you, it's just a hard place to play, so you can never take that away from them. No Tua, though. Yeah. Um. It's just I just think that once, I mean, maybe if we had beaten them before, I'd have more confidence. Um. But until we get over that hump, it's just hard to be confident. Yeah, there's, there's, it's a very real thing. It's, I, I don't like this whole thing that none of Saban's former assistants have ever beaten him. No one on his tree has beaten him yet. Like that's a real thing. And I, and I normally, I, I say like what happened in the past doesn't really matter about this particular game. But I don't know what is about it. Makes like Saban has has their number. Maybe he gets more motivated for this game, and and his players get more motivated for it. Maybe he just understands these guys and uh, kind of what their tendencies are going to be based off working with them for so long. Like I don't know exactly what it is, but it, it is, it is, a, it is a thing. There's no doubt about that. So you have to factor that in, but I agree with you. And like one thing you said is like, you do you really think we're going to be the more talented team? Because I do. I mean, yeah, I actually do believe we will. Yeah, I think we will have the better, more talented football team rolling into Tuscaloosa. And Craig, I will say this: I think this is the very first time that we will have played Alabama under Kirby Smart and be able to say that we have the more talented football team. That's my opinion. I'm sure a lot of people disagree with me. But I think you go back to the, the the title game in 2017. I think Alabama was more talented, don't you? Um, yeah, across the board at that. Across time the board, were. yeah, across the board that they were, especially once you insert two over Jalen Hurts. But it, it, now we really closed the gap some. And I think every time we played them, we've closed the gap more and more. I think this year, not only have we completely erased that gap, I think that we have surpassed them in overall talent. If you look at it from a recruiting standpoint, it kind of plays it out. I mean, it's very close. Like we in the past four recruiting cycles, which is basically the entire roster. Uh, we both have uh, two number one finishes and a number two finish. And then we finished uh, number three, I think, what was that, 2017, and Bama finished number five one year. So we've actually out-recruited Bama ever so slightly over the past four years combined. And 
that's the first time we've ever been able to say that. Like we've been close-ish, but not that close. I mean, not, not to where we've actually, I mean, reasonably you can say we've out-recruited them. So I think we were the more talented team, but it's not just about that. It's about matchups, right? And if you look at this this Alabama team, like offensively, like I, I don't you have some questions about what they're going to do at quarterback? Because I I have some serious questions about what that's going to look like for them this year. Oh yeah, I definitely have some questions about it. I mean, you don't. I mean, it'll probably be Mac Jones, um, but I mean, you also it's different too when you don't have all those great receivers. Yeah, you'll have Devonta yeah. Smith coming back and people like that, but it's just um, and Waddle, but it's you have more people that you can focus on um, compared to what you had to do before. What do you make of Mac Jones? Is, is he good enough to actually lead Alabama to a SEC title game? Like, is, is he good enough to do that with the talent around him? Um, he's a game manager. And I think if the talent's that good, he can. Um, but I just don't know if I think the talent is up and across the board. It's not as good around him as it was last year. It's just not. It's not. It's good. No, it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's really, really good. Again, it's all relative here. Comparatively speaking, it's better than just about any team in America. But, like, compared to what they were last year, it's not – it's just not as good. And he's not Tua. I, I think he performed admirably for them well in his spot duty. And I know he, he put up a, over 300 yards against Auburn, but he also threw two pick sixes. And one of those pick sixes, sixes was one of the worst I've ever seen in my life. Like, what are you doing kind of stuff? And sure, he'll get better uh, with – you would say with a year under uh, – like an offseason under his belt where he is – uh, the leader of the team and all that kind of thing and work with guys, but that's not really happening right now. You don't get a spring practice. And, and if it's not him, it's going to be true freshman Bryce Young. And like, I mean, a true freshman going against our defense, I, I, as talented as he might be, like I, I, I'll take those odds. Um, and, like, and I know that you, you mentioned Devontae Smith comes back and he was, um, he was actually their leading receiver in terms of yardage last year. But to me, a big part of that was the fact that he had uh, Jerry Judy on the other side. Like when you have yeah, Jerry Judy, that's there. the per- person they're going to miss the most is Judy because he was yeah. the physical guy. Absolutely, and, and, and an insane route runner. I and mean, Judy was the alpha receiver, even though he didn't lead the team in in, rece- in receiving yards. Like the reason he that to me, the reason Smith led the team in receiving yards that was a function of the respect that defenses gave Jerry Judy. They were basically saying we're not going to let Jerry Judy beat us because we think he's their best player on offense. And if that means Devontae Smith gets one on one coverage and he and and he gets all yards and he beats us, that's fine. We'll have to live with that, but we're not going to let Jerry Judy beat us. And this year, Devontae Smith has to be that guy. So my question is, is he going to be that effective as the number one guy? I I don't know that he will be. In fact, I would say probably not. Probably not. And then is Jalen Waddle going to be as good of a of a, of a of a Robin as like Henry Ruggs was? I don't think – I mean, Ruggs was the explosive guy out there. I mean, I mean Waddle, Waddle was, was good. really good. You saw it at times, but the thing was he was like the slot guy going against people's last possible defender. Absolutely, exactly. You can, and the thing is, uh, the team, the, the Alabama that we've seen recently with the deep wide receiver core, you can never play with the safety over the top, um, and that that's not the case. Like, somebody was gonna have single coverage. Somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and they were all good enough to win that single. Uh, most of them were good enough again in against most DBs in most games they played were good enough to win that one on one matchup, and that made them so difficult because you had you couldn't cover all of them, you couldn't double all of them. But Mike, like with Waddle, yeah, he's really good. He's a good player, especially a good return man. But is he? As good, like, is he going to be like the Devonte Smith to Jerry Judy last year? Like, is he going to be the? Is he going to be that guy for Devonte Smith this year? Like Smith was to Judy last year. I don't know if he's that good. I don't think so because I don't think um, Smith is what a Judy is. He, I, I he scares teams with his speed, but he doesn't scare him with his physicality. Yeah, I mean, he's a toothpick. I mean, he's got he's definitely got to bulk up. There's no doubt. And they're losing some guys in the offensive line. They do have Najee Harris coming back, and he's a really good player. 
Um, but like, there are some questions on this Alabama offense. I, and like, when you lose two, like, I, I just go back to the quarterback. I mean, receivers, regardless, they have two good players. They don't have four of them, which I think is going to factor into when your quarterback is not going to be as good as Tua, no matter who it is and, and how, good, how, how well he plays, he's not going to be Tua. And you only have two of those four receivers coming back last year. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. And then defensively, I mean, last year was, again, like, it's all relative. We're talking about Alabama here. But they were 21st nationally in total defense. And that's the lowest uh, finish in total defense and those rankings since Nick Saban got there to and Alabama. they've lost a lot, too. Yeah, and, and, that's, and, and that was – that's 21st nationally, the lowest in the Saban era, with guys like uh, – so you have uh, McKinney, you have uh, Diggs, you have Anthony Jennings, you have Raekwon Davis, so I think it was a Darrell monster. Lewis. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. You, you got you got all these guys, and it's not, that was with all those guys, uh, Terrell Lewis, all those guys. And now they're losing, losing the top two pass rushers, Three out of uh, so four out of five stars in the secondary. The only guy that returned the secondary is Patrick Sertan, and he was okay last year. Really highly recruited, but was certainly not uh, as good as I think some people expect him to be in year one. Um, and like honestly, like they've always had difference makers in their front seven. But Kurt, let me ask you, like, who are the difference makers in the Alabama front seven right now? You don't have anyone that comes into your mind that showed it last year. Like Dylan Moses missed all of last year with an injury. Can he be that guy for them this year? Um, he can, but the thing is, he's gonna have to have help around him too to help him yeah. be able to be free. And and who knows, like, what is he gonna be back to the same level that he was just before the injury? Or does he have to work back into it? Like we've seen that with our players. Like, yeah, they can come back and play and play at a pretty high level, but maybe not quite the level they were playing at before the injury. And so I think he maybe their best option there. And on the on the line, they have some promising young guys. DJ Dale, Christian Barmore had had good freshman season last year. Have a chance to be really good, but we haven't seen much evidence to say that they're gonna be those kind of guys yet. And uh, with and outside of Dylan Moses, inside linebacker Christian Harris, Shane Lee, I'm not a believer in either one of those guys. I mean, they're throwback Alabama backers, like big physical linebackers. And, and I don't say that as a compliment because Especially Kirby realized you have to move a, away. From he's those. a he's like a Reuben Foster size, but nowhere near the speed. Absolutely, like like those guys are kind of throwbacks to the size of like the Rolando McLean, C.J. Mosley, Dante Hightower, Courtney Upshaw's those kind of guys. And Bama's moved away; they try to move away from those kind of guys. This Kirby was trying to because he knows that's what was getting him killed in those matchups against teams and spread offenses. Because those guys, yeah, they can handle the run; they can they can fit against a guard, but they can't run silent silent. They're not three down backers, and they get exploited. Um, and that's more of the mold that Harris and Lee are in. So I don't; I, those guys honestly, they don't do much for me. So. I don't know, man. Like I honestly, I think, and I know this is Bama we're talking about, so they recruit well. Again, it's all relative when you talk about losing big time players. But I think if you look at the matchup here, I think that we're going to have more success. Like we might not have quite as much talent offensively as they do, uh, but I think we're going to have more success against their secondary than they will against ours. Because I think Jamie Newman, I know he's played at Wake Forest and ACC. I get that, but he's far more proven than any option they have at quarterback. And I think I know it's just one guy. I think we have, like is it fair to say George Pickens might be the best wide receiver in that entire game? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean I would say that right now. Um, and even if you think don't believe that, even if you think their wide receiver and quarterback play is superior to ours, and I, I know there's people out there who, who believe that, uh, that's fine. You have to factor in the matchup. Like we return every single major contributor in the secondary outside of J.R. Reed. But it's the exact opposite for them. They're losing everyone that was a major contributor in the secondary, but one guy was Sertan. So I don't know. I, I think we have the town edge. I, I like the matchups in our favor. I, I'm not ready to say that we're just going to go out there and win that game. But to me, honestly, this is the one thing I like in general is I just like our whole defense. I mean, we're, we're turning a lot of weapons consistently on yeah. that defense that are going to help us. 
And you, and I, I know Saban wants to win this game, and I, and I know it's at Alabama. That gives them that certainly gives them an advantage. But you know how much Kirby Smart wants to win this football game, and how much our players want, and our staff want to win this football game. And maybe that doesn't factor into it. I don't know, but I, that, that to me that factors in to at least some degree. So honestly, I think we have a little bit more talent this year. Um, I think that the matchups favor us in this game. And I know it's at Bama, so you know what? I'd, I'd say it's like a more of a 50-50 type game to me. I think it's truly more of a toss-up game. So I, and I know that's I'm a Georgia guy again. Call me a homer, but uh, I think we have a little bit better chance than 27 and a half percent to beat Alabama. I mean, it'll be a tough battle. There's no doubt about it. And I'm not ready to just to proclaim that we're going to win that game, but I think we have a lot better shot than 27 and a half percent. Um, all right, moving along here, uh, real quickly. Same thing with uh, as with ETSU, Louisiana Monroe, Curtis. Uh, we're uh, but the FP- FPI is giving us a 99.2% chance to beat Monroe. Um, is that just right? Yeah, that's 100% just right. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, they did push Florida State last year into overtime uh, for, in a 44 to, or 45 to 44 loss. But I think that says more about Florida State where they were last year than Monroe. Because uh, the next, I guess, two weeks later, uh, Monroe turns around and also got beat 72 to 20 by Iowa State and then 52 to 7 by Appalachian State. So not a very good football team. Um well, we should win that with no problem. Uh, this next one, we should probably, we should also certainly win with no problem. But we'll uh, we'll mention this one here a little bit more. Vanderbilt, Curtis, they're coming to Athens. Uh, they scheduled to come to Athens, and the FPI is giving us a ninety-eight point three percent chance to take down the Commodores. Too high, too low, or just right? Um, I think that's just right. Vanderbilt's gonna they're in f- for for like if there was ride. relegation in college football, Vanderbilt would be relegated, right? Yeah. I mean, let's just be honest. Like that's that's the situation we're in. Like their program's in bad shape right now. I know they had a couple of years there uh, where they got to bowl games, but last year was a train wreck, and this year might be even worse. And that's tough to say. And I, like I know when you're when you're talking about an SEC opponent, and the FPI is giving us a ninety eight point three percent chance to win that game. I mean, that's only one percent less than they're giving us to beat Louisiana Monroe. So they're basically equating Vanderbilt with with Louisiana Monroe, and that's tough to think about. We're talking about an SEC opponent, but if you look at the state of this Vanderbilt program, you kind of understand why. I mean, uh, again, last year was a train wreck. Uh, there's a, there is a lot of returning production on defense for them. They're returning 93% of their defensive production, which is fourth nationally. But what does that even mean when that defense last year was 101st in total defense, 95th in score defense, getting 32 points per game? Like, does that even, like, it doesn't even matter to me. This doesn't even register. And offensively, it's a, it's a I mean, I don't even know how they're going to field an offense. They're, um, only returning 35% of their offensive production, which is 122nd nationally. And their offense last year was 124th nationally total offense, averaging only 296 per game, 125th in scoring offense, only averaging 16 points per game, which was the fewest points per game averaged by an SEC team since 2015. Like, Chris, if we lose this game, like, shouldn't we just shutter our program entirely? I know they beat us a couple years ago in Athens. That year's over. It's a wasted year at that point. Yeah, like I, I know that like we lost to them in 2016, but that was a totally different situation. Kirby's first year here. We're not losing this game. We're going to win. I'd say it's just right. If anything, it might be too low. Um, all right, now this one is going to be a little bit more competitive, at least likely to be more competitive, and that would be when the Auburn Tigers come calling. I don't, I don't want to say it's been the fir- it's the first time ever that we're playing them in October, but the first time that I can ever remember, the first time in recent memory that, that we are playing Auburn in October, uh, playing in the middle of the season here because I don't really know why. I know why they want to play in the middle of the season. I'm not sure. I'm still not sure why we agreed to do that, but whatever. Uh, this is kind of beside the point. But the FPI 
is giving us a 66% chance to beat the Auburn Tigers here in Athens. Kurt, does that sound too high, too low, or just right for you? Um, to me, that's just right because this Auburn team, yeah, you'll have Bo Nix and stuff returning, but they're losing a lot, um, They're especially defensively, and that's where I think you're going to see their biggest differences. Their defense is going to take a step back. I totally agree uh, with that. I actually, I'm going to say this is a little too low for me. I, I, I wouldn't put it too much higher. I would put it in the 70 to 75 percent range. Like, like we should definitely beat Auburn this year. Like, we if we were if we, if we were able to go into Auburn, Alabama, with the offense that we had last year, with all the injuries that we were dealing with, and just our complete dysfunction offensively for most of the year, and beat Auburn with the with that defense they had last year, with all those guys they had, the Derrick Browns. The Marlon Davidsons, all those guys, I, to me, I just – I don't – I know that you're going to – you have Bo Nix come back as a sophomore, but I just – I don't see how we're going to lose them at home right now. I mean, obviously, we'll get in the season and then we'll take things from there. But everyone wants to talk about the return of Bo Nix. And I, I, do you – like, where do you rank Bo Nix in your mind? Like, how good is this guy? Like, do you buy into the fact that Bo Nix – or this idea that Bo Nix is going to be like a game-changing, elite-type quarterback? Because I just don't see it. No, I put him as a middle-of-the-pack SEC quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I know he's a freshman last year, but if you look at him statistically, like he was the bottom half of the league in most major categories. He's the bottom half of the league in yards per attempt, uh, in completion percentage, in interceptions, in yards per game. He had the second fewest touchdown passes among full-time SEC stars with 16, and the only other one uh, that was under that was beneath him was Ryan Helinski, another freshman who had 11. Um, and Helinski, uh, had, had, there were plenty of issues on that. Uh, South Carolina offense with injuries uh, throughout that entire year. So he was having to work with some serious deficiencies offensively. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't see it in Bo Nix. I'm not saying he's not a, he's a solid quarterback. I'm not saying he's garbage, but like people prop this dude up. Like he's the next coming, like he's the next great Auburn quarterback. And I, I don't see it. I get why they say, you know, obviously his dad played there. He's a highly rated guy coming out of high school. Um, has the big comeback win against Oregon in week one. He really played terribly in that game, had one nice drive at the end of the game, and all of a sudden people are annoying him like the next great quarterback at Auburn. And I just – if you watch him the rest of the year, I didn't really see that. And I, and I get he was a freshman. He'll probably, he should take a step forward this year, but he had to take a pretty significant step forward to be that type of quarterback in year two. Uh, I will say, like, when you look at this Auburn offense, Kurt, the fact that they're bringing in – a, a, a new offensive coordinator. And apparently, now we've heard this before, but Gus Malzahn says that he is going to turn over the play calling duties to Chad Morris, the new offensive coordinator, the former offensive coordinator at Clemson. Really kind of got the whole Clemson dynasty started there as offensive coordinator. And then comes to SMU, then Arkansas. We know how it fizzled out of Arkansas. But this guy's a really good offensive mind. Do you expect them to be better offensively with Chad Morris at the helm? Um, I just don't know if they have all the pieces that fit that offense yet either um, yeah. is one of the things I really think is an effect for them. I agree. This offense was built around Gus Malzahn's system. Bo Nix is a Gus Malzahn-type quarterback, uh, and I'm not sure he fits into what Chad Morris does. Now, we'll see. Maybe Morris adjusts what he does. Maybe it's this first year. Maybe it's a little bit of a mix of what Malzahn's done and what Morris has done. And I'm still not sold. Like We've heard this from Malzahn before that he's bringing somebody in, and he's like – with Lindsay, like yeah, he literally James. brought in Chip Lindsay or whatever his name was to do it. And I mean, everyone touted him as a great OC too. And yep. he got run out of town. Yep. Cause they're, cause he was, you could tell he's clearly running the exact same offense that Gus Malzahn had been running forever. And then Malzahn's like, oh, screw that. I'm going to take over play calling dudes. We put up a bunch of big yards in the New City Bowl against Purdue. And now everyone says, I'm the, I'm the greatest play caller ever. And we're going to do great things in 2019. And yeah, they fell flat on their face. Um, so I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. Like if, 
if things start to hit the fan and Malzahn gets on the hot seat again, like I don't trust him to sit there and say, you know what, Chad Morris, you just let you just crash this ship and uh, I'll go down with you. I, I I think he's going to start taking over that team if they start heading that direction. I'm not saying they would in that direction, but it wouldn't shock me at all. I just I have questions about that. Uh, and, and regardless, you're right. Like they don't necessarily have the players that are built for a Chad Morris offensive system. So it's going to be kind of an interesting fit there. We'll see how that works out. I do think they have a good group of receivers. Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz are good receivers. I like those guys. Uh, Williams has got good speeds. Physical Schwartz, we know, is a, is a true like elite world-class sprinter. We we understand how fast that guy is. I'm still not sure, sold on him being a, a true polished wide receiver yet, but he's getting there more and more every year. But they also lose it, like literally their entire offensive line. I know people, people want to say that we're losing our entire offensive line, but we're not actually like we're losing significant pieces, but we're not losing the entire offensive line. Like, we've also we, recruited offensively at a high level. They have not. Absolutely. We have plenty of five. Even if we did lose our entire offensive line, at least we have five star guys to plug in there, but we're not losing our entire offensive line. Yes. We're losing three starters, four starters, I guess you could say, but we also return Ben Cleveland who has starting experience. We got Trey Hill returning uh, at center. We've got Jamari Sagu started a couple games. Obviously started the, 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 the bowl game. So we have a lot more experience, a lot more talent there, and they are literally losing their entire offensive line. Yeah, so I, I don't know, man. Like that, that If I was an Auburn fan, that would certainly be concerning to me, and, and that's not even talking about defensively. Like, I mean, I their, their like, line was still pretty poor last year. So, I mean. For two years in a row. Yeah, two years in a row. And, like, defensively, like, I don't know what to expect. I mean, they're losing what I think are the three best players on the defensive line, losing four stars in their secondary uh, off of a defense that was good last year. But it wasn't like this defense was as good as everyone made it out to be. Like, statistically, they were 20th national total defense, 17th in scoring defense. Like, do you, is Auburn the kind of program that can just plug and play, Kerr? Or like, are they at the Alabama level where you can just expect them to just reload and roll new guys out there without missing a beat? No, they have to build around certain players. Yeah, I mean, like they recruit well. I'm not going to trash Auburn. Like they, they recruit well, but like they recruit well. Like we used to recruit well under Mark Rick, right? Like fringe top ten. Like if you yeah, look they'll at get the, one good. They'll get one great player like they did with uh, um, Derek Brown, and they try to build around them. Yeah, they'll, they'll finish on average between like between if you, like go back in the last four years, it's like between like eight, like seven and eleven each of the past four years. Like they were a fringe top ten recruiting program. They'll land a good player here, or there, just like we used to in a Mark Rick. We we land a five star here, a five star there, but we didn't have them up and down the roster. So I don't expect them to be able just to plug and play some of these guys. So like I I think we are a significantly more talented team than Auburn. I honestly think we're gonna have the better quarterback. Uh, I think we have clearly the better coaching staff, and this is at home. Like. I know 66% is saying that we're going to win this game. I think that's a little too low. I would put it closer to about 75% if you're asking me. I, that's where I would put it. Uh, but all right, moving on here. We've got, uh, we're traveling to Columbia, Missouri this year. I'm very excited about this. I'm really hoping we actually get to make this trip because I love going to Columbia, Missouri. It's one of my favorite, and it is my favorite uh, SEC East town. Um, I guess Nashville is awesome. I don't know if I can say that college town. Uh, but anyway, Missouri is a great place to go. Hope that people get a chance to make it out there. But the ESPN FPI is giving us a 90.2% chance to beat Missouri on the road this year. Kurt, what does that sound like to you? Is that too high, too low, or just right? Uh, I think that's just right. Missouri is going to be in a big rebuild for the next couple years. It's a transition time. Yeah, it's, it's a transition yeah. time. There's no doubt. They're going from a defensive-minded guy to a, a clearly an, an offensive-minded guy with Eli Drinkwitz as their new offensive coordinator. His new head coach coming in as the former head coach of Appalachia State for one year and then the former offensive coordinator at uh, most recently at NC State. We kind of parlayed that into a head coaching gig. Uh, and, and Missouri, like if you look at them last year, I know it's a different year. Like they were – they started off pretty well. They, they lose the first game to Wyoming. Shouldn't have lost that game, but they did. But they they rebound. They uh, start off five and one, 
and they get really torn up by injuries after that. You know, they, they lose Kelly Bryant, they lose some guys on defense. Alberto was banged up all year long, um, and that really they kind of kind of derailed their season. Uh, and they're losing a ton on offense, man. Like they're 111th nationally returning offensive production, only returning 43% of their offensive production from last year. And that offense was not very good. But now there were some injury situations, of course, but they weren't very good last year. They're losing Kelly Bryant, losing Albert O, losing their two best receivers, and Jonathan Johnson and Jonathan Nance. And you got Taylor Powell, the guy, and you guys know him. If you watched, I'm sure you all watched the game last year. He was the guy that started for them against us last year. Uh, and he started two games last year. In those two games, he was 18 of 36. 50% completion for 189 total yards between two games, one touchdown and two picks. And we all saw him play clearly an unimpressive quarterback. I'm not saying he can't get better. I'm sure he will. Um, but if, and that, that he's probably going to be their guy this year, unless they have some young guys, some freshmen coming in that Drinkwitz wants to roll with, which might be the case. A new coach coming in, wants to bring his guy in, could be. Um, but they do have Larry Roundtree and Tyler Beatty returning at running back. And those are two really good running backs in my mind. I think those are two high-level SEC backs. Um, but to me, it's just not a tough place to play. Uh, it's a great place to visit. I love it, but it's it's a cool environment. It's just not a tough place to play, especially when they're not good. Like the first year we played there, when it was the grown man football, and they just come to the SEC, that was a pretty rocking environment. But every time we've gone back since then, I've been to every uh, game we played there, um, It's the environment's gotten more and more stale. It's just not many people showing up. Students aren't showing up. Uh, because there's just uh, there is some dissatisfaction with the program. And maybe it'll be a little more excitement with Drinkwitz coming in, but I think by the time we play them, I, I think the record's going to be uh, pretty bad at that point. Well, the school and just I, has never rebounded from years ago when the way the last staff went out before Odom. Yeah, the Pinkle staff. Yeah. Well, the, well, the whole controversy around the entire university. Like, yeah, the, 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 the whole university, university has never – they've never uh, recovered from it. You, you know, that's a really good point. You're right because, I mean, and maybe I just – I was kind of just chalking up to the fact that it was the first year that they were in the SEC and then they were playing Georgia. It was a big game. Had the whole grown man football build up to it. No, because they came here and beat us yeah, what, they did. a year or two later. But then the next year. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and there and Pete was a good coach. Like, I talked about them, like, you know, they're just being early and, and they were excited about it. But I, I think that really once that whole they, had, I mean, they won the East two years in a row. Yeah. They were good. And then they had the whole scandal. I don't know what to call it a scandal, but they had like the just the not riots, but they had the the I guess yeah, it was a protest on campus. And that like the, and I don't know if that's the exact cause, but the vibe around the football game has been different since that point. Um, and I don't know if that's the sole cause. And in fact, they haven't been as good as part of, as part of that reason. Uh, the only reason they're not as good is the guy rid of Gary Pinkle, uh, or he is no longer with the program. Well, but yeah, it, and I think that was a repercussion of everything that happened because you I know do. he's just the whole situation, and yeah. they've just never fully recovered. It's a really good point. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the vibe has been different around the football game. The town's been great, but the vibe around the stadium has been different. They, they have renovated. They got a nice new facility there. So, I'm excited to hopefully see that. But it's just not a tough place to play. Like, I know 90% on the road against an SEC opponent. That seems pretty high. But uh, I think that's probably just about right, to be honest, if you look at the, the circumstances heading into this game. Uh, all right. Now, next one. This is the big one. Other than Alabama, this is the next biggest game of schedule because, like, it just has so much to say about who wins the SEC East and ultimately gets that SEC title game and a chance to potentially make the college football playoff. And that is our annual matchup against the Florida Gators in Jacksonville, Florida. Now, with the Gators, you know, as much as they've been pumping their chest throughout the offseason, you would think that we'd be a clear underdog in this game, according to ESPN and FBI. 
but that's clearly not the case. ESPN FPI is a is a non biased entity, and uh, according to the data that they plug into these numbers, uh, they're giving us a 62.7% chance to beat Florida. I know, I know, that's breaking the hearts of Gators everywhere. But, Kurt, does that are you in agreement with the FPI? Are you more on the Gator side? Is this the year that Florida kind of uh, – No, I think, it's, I think it's pretty fair. I mean, Florida has a lot of holes this year. Um, but they're oh, just but getting Curtis, hyped up. Curtis, they return Kyle Trask, the best quarterback in probably all of college football. That's what the and whole hype the is built around – the whole hype is built around him and the tight end. Literally, that's all they've got coming back in Grimes. But other than that, like you, uh, most prognosticators feel like that can't tell you a single player that's returning. It's because they were losing not everybody else. I mean, yeah, they that's the point. They, they, uh, just because they return those, you know, those three players, everyone acts like they're the clear cut favorite. But like I said, no one else, especially defense, which has been their bread and butter. Their offense has been decent at years, but they've won the last couple of years built on good defenses. Yeah, and that's I find not that hilarious. Because, as we know, Grantham can't recruit well. Yeah, I find it hilarious how Dan Mullen, um, his entire reputation is built on him being like a quarterback whisperer and offensive genius, right? But ever since he's gotten to Florida, yeah, they've got 10 wins two years in a row. Credit to them. But they've done that, like, like you just said, very accurately on the backs of their defense. It's just very ironic to me that they prop this guy up, Mullen, so much uh, as being a great coach. And the primary reason they point him being a great coach is because of his offensive prowess, right? But it hasn't been about the offense. It really just hasn't been. Like they've won, honestly, in spite of their offense, in my opinion, since he's been there. Uh, and then on yeah, the defense, I mean, they're losing. I mean, like you're saying, it's, it, the defense really is what carries that team. Yeah, it is. And the, and that defense was good last year. They were a good defensive team. But they, they're losing what I think. I, I, at least you can argue they're losing their four best players off that defense with with Henderson, uh, Grenard, Zaniga. And, and you can argue Reese, uh, the linebacker Reese, as, as I believe a fourth best Grenard and Zaniga are their two biggest losses because – that made yeah. everyone else better was their pass rush, even though they didn't yeah. get a single sack against us. But that's why they were so good defensively is the pressure they got. And they don't – they have not – It's been that way for this, years for them. This is where, yeah, this is where Dan Mullen's finally going to start getting exposed because they haven't recruited – I mean, what's their answer? Brent Cox? We, sh- we we all know he's not a pass rusher. Oh, come on. Brent Cox, dude. What I like – okay. That's they, what I'm saying. Way, I mean, people are talking about how, you know, he's going to be their answer outside linebacker. Yeah, he was – on our team getting passed up by freshmen. Yeah, as people that really wanted the inside story on why Brent Cox transferred is because he he basically threatened to fight Dan Lanning. Okay, I have this on pretty good authority at practice. And the reason he threatened to fight him is because we were he basically he was pissed off because he was getting passed up, like as you said, by all these younger guys, right? He was getting passed up by the Nolan Smiths. He was getting passed up by the Jermaine Johns. He was getting passed up by the Aziz Ojolaris. He was getting passed up by these guys. He was not going to play a lot, and he was pissed off. He's a highly recruited guy coming out of high school. He decommitted from Ohio State, comes here. Of course, he wants to blame everybody else. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's not my fault. And then he gets pissed off, and it explodes, and then Kirby's like, you're done. You're gone. That's basically what happened. Um, so, yeah, good luck with him. Have fun. Um, that's fine. But, uh, yeah, I just don't see him being a pass rush like Grenard or Zaniga. I just – I don't see it. Like they're still going to be good defensively. He's he's but, like a Jordan Jenkins. Yeah, that that's exactly that. And, and, and Jordan, as we all know, Jordan Jenkins was a, a good Jenkins dog and everything, though. but he he um, but yeah, but he wasn't the game changer, which is what Florida needs to be good. Yes, and that's a really good analogy. I actually like that because Jenkins. Remember coming out, coming out of high school, we we got him from Alabama. Came down to us in Bama, and we got him. And uh, he was a highly recruited pass rusher coming out of high school. And we were all kind of expecting Jordan Jenkins to be this explosive pass rusher. But it never quite turned out that way. He was a really good player for us. And, again, he's still playing in the NFL. But he was never the game changer, was he? No, not at all. 
He wasn't. And I think you could say some, this, something similar about Brent Cox. I think Brent Cox is a good, solid player. He was a good, solid player for us as a freshman. But I, and even that freshman year, I was saying it back then, go back and roll the tapes. And you can find the stuff that's out there. I, I was I, I didn't trash the guy, but I was, I was, I'm not sold this guy being like that game-changing type player for us. And I just don't think that he is. I think he's a good, solid player. I just don't think he's a game-changing pass rusher. I, I haven't seen that from him, uh, at least in that one year. So, I don't know. They'll be good on defense. I just don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. Trass is a good quarterback. Pitts is a really, really good uh, tight end. I mean, he's as good a tight end in maybe in all of America. Like, he's really, really good. Um, he was tough to handle. We saw that last year. But up and down the roster, I, I say it again. Like, we are just infinitely more talented than Florida. Just so much more talented than them. And I know that they they have a monkey on their back. They want to get – they're going to – they want to beat us and get over the, the Georgia hump. Like we want to get over the Alabama hump, but man, like Kirby wants to beat Florida just as bad as they want to beat us. All right, especially with, with some of the I don't want to say bad blood, but there's no love loss between him and Dan Mullen. That's that's pretty clear. Um, so I, I just I think we're more talented. I like our matchups in this game. I think we have a better coaching staff. I think we win this game again. Uh, so I, I I think I don't know. What did you say? Did you say sixty two percent is about right or is that too low? I think it's fair. I think it's about like honestly, I'll say it's about right. Just about the fact that they do have a returning quarterback, um, and we don't. Like, we, we have a guy who I think is a better quarterback. I think he's a better tracker than, than Kyle Trask. I think he's more talented than Trask, but he hasn't been in our system. Uh, we have a new coordinator coming in, and hopefully by the time we get to the middle of the season, play Florida, that won't be an issue. But like you have to factor that stuff in as well. Like you have to be honest there and say there might be uh, some issues offensively early on in the year. And, uh, and all that. But again, by the time we get to this game, I think we should be rolling offensively. And I just think we're more talented. So uh, I think we're, we should be the favorite in this game. But I'd say around 65% is probably about right. Um, all right. Next up, we are um, – the schedule is a little different this year. We're, we're heading down to – not down. So I guess we're heading over to Columbia, South Carolina. Take on Will Muschamp's Gamecocks. And uh, we all know what happened this past year. That was, in my opinion, an anomaly. It should never have happened, but it did. Um, regardless, uh, but um, they're giving us an 85.2% chance to get our revenge this year in Columbia. Kurt, is that too high, too low, or, or just about right for you? Um, I'm going to go too low. I think that there's going to be a very big chip on our shoulder, and they're not going to have monsters like Ken Law and stuff to help them defensively, which is what their whole – how they really stopped us beating us to the line of scrimmage, and they don't have all those weapons. Um, and I think that we're – like I said, even if they were had improved where I don't think they have improved, they lose people like Brian Edwards and the – running backs and things like that. I just think that the chip on our shoulder is going to be just way large. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree about that. I mean, Kirby, I mean, I know him and Muschamp are buddies, but like you, you guys know how it is with your buddies. Like you want to beat them almost more than anybody. Cause you want to have bragging rights over your butt. Like you want to, that's just, that's just the way it is. Like you don't want them to be able to lord that over you. Um, and Kirby knows that our program is better. And we, we got to beat more Muschamp. And, and now you got Mike Bobo. And he in also there. knows that's the reason we got left out of the playoffs last year. Jesus Cause they Christ. still put us as a yeah. five seed. Yep. I still believe that. I think if we hadn't lost South Carolina, we get in. I, I, I absolutely do. Because if you – I know this is revisionist history. But that if, if the SEC title game was our only loss of the year and we lose that game with all the injuries we had in that game, you think they're going to leave us out over Oklahoma? No way. No I way. I'm very not, shocked. Yeah, not going to – not just no way. It's no way. I still can't believe that. Oh, my God. Let's just, and that was where offensive deficiencies were – really exploited because they basically just manned up. They played man free against us. They got up in our face, pressed our receivers. But once Cager went out and I was kind of concerned when Cager went out in that game, I, I wasn't thinking, Oh, we're going to lose now, but I was watching how they were playing us even with him in the game. And we were, we were able to have some success, decent success with him. In the game, he went down. I was like, Oh my God, I don't know, man. Cause at that point, Pickens wasn't Pickens yet, not consistently. And they just, um, they basically smothered us. And Ken law was just destroying us on the interior. And it was just a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare, man. Absolute nightmare. 
But uh, hopefully we get our revenge this year. Um, tell me about Helensky. We'll talk more about them later in the year when we do some of our Scott and the Enemy stuff. But are you sold on Helensky? Kind of like with Bo Nix. Are you sold on Helensky? Because some people nationally prop him up as, as the next kind of guy for South Carolina. I don't know if I see it with him either. What do you think? Um, I think he's a good quarterback. But, uh, I mean, we'll see how he is when he don't have all the weapons that he's had. I mean, it's tough to say when you're talking about true freshman last year, you know, especially when he wasn't expected to be the starter with Bentley going down in game one. And people one. also are going to hype him up because now he's got Mike Bobo coaching him and everything. Yeah, and look, I, I I know Bobo's the enemy now. I love Mike Bobo still. I love the guy. I think he's a really good quarterback coach and a good offensive coordinator. I think it was a good hire for Mushroom. I'm not sure it was a good move for Bobo. because If they don't win big this year – and by the way, ESPN has them for the second year in a row with the hardest schedule in America. So if they, lo- if they, if they, if they have a losing season again this year, like – don't you think the entire staff is gone? Yeah, they are. And I, I don't know why Bobo would jump in. I, I just don't get it. I mean, he and this guy had options. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know why. I guess I know, hey, the, the draw playing with your friend is 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 tough to pass up, I guess. But, man, I don't know. But Linsky, like, I don't know. He's similar statistically to, to Bo Nix. I mean, those were two of the worst statistical quarterbacks in the SEC last year. Now, sure, they were both freshmen. I get that. But he, he threw 11 touchdowns to five picks, only 58% completions. And get this. Only 5.8 yards per attempt. That's crazy. I mean, the fact that you – these two numbers combined, 58% completion percentage and only 5.8 yards per attempt. Typically when you have a yards per attempt number under six, it's because you're just dinking and dunking, and your completion percentage should be inflated because you're throwing very short, easy, high percentage completion uh, passes. But that's not the case for Helensky. Yeah, he was throwing short, intermediate passes that are very high percentage throws – but he wasn't completing a lot of them. Only fifty-eight percent completion percentage. I only had three games on the year where he was over sixty percent completion. I'm not sure he's that good. I'm not sure. I don't know. Like he might be. Like I saw some throws. I'm like, oh, that guy. That, I that think the guy's throw. got a big arm and can make some throws. I just don't like, know. He made some throws against us. I was like, hey, that's a good throw. But did he do it consistently? No. And I, maybe he will in his second year. I don't know. But hey, he's got a new offensive coordinator, right? It's a new system for him, and he's not. And just like we're having the same issue here in Athens. He's not getting time to work with that coordinator. So I don't I don't know what the effects can be. And, and, and he's a younger guy. He's not like Jamie Newman, who's been around the block for a while and, and understands things and has more experience. So I, I don't know. And then you on top of that, you lose Brian Edwards, clearly your best player offensively. You lose Rico Dowdle, your best running back. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, they basically have no talent returning at running back. Like it, like it's gonna have to be Marshawn Lloyd for the running back. The, the talented he is a talented guy they got in this last class, but as a true freshman, he's almost gonna have to be the guy. He's got no talent returning at that position. And I don't know, on defense, uh, they lose Kinlaw, who I told y'all last year, that guy was an All-American caliber player, and he's going to be a first-round pick tonight. Um, so, I mean, he was he was a stud. He's gone, though. Um, they've done a good job building the defensive line, guys like Rick Sandage and, and, and Zach Pickens. But I don't know, man. Like, I don't know right now who the true difference makers are in that front seven. They have a really good duo at cornerback in J.C. Horn and McCom- McCom- I can't ever say this guy's name, McQuamu. Um, and they they tore us up last year. I mean, they were the reason we lost that game. They just they manned up on our receivers and just shut us down. That was just the fact of the matter. Um, but still, we are so much more talented than them. We have the the chip on our shoulder from last year. There's no doubt. I will say that is a very tough place to play. I've always said that uh, it is an incredibly tough place to play, especially if it gets there at night. Uh, so I don't know, like 85%. I'm going to say that seems about just right for me. I think we're clearly more talented. We absolutely should win this game. But it is a tough environment. Uh, I do have a lot of respect for Mike Bobo. Kalinsky is a talented guy. We'll see if he can work out some of the consistency issues. 
So I think 85%, I'm going to say it's just about right for me on that one. Um, all right, last couple games here. We, uh, we, we are hosting, again, this year it's all, it's all screwed up, man. Now let's hold over there. Now we're playing Tennessee in November this year, I guess for the foreseeable future. Um, and so the Volunteers are come to Athens this year, and the ESPN FPI is giving us a 91.2% chance to beat the Volunteers at home. Kurt, does that seem right to you? Um, I think it is. Tennessee, um, you lose Juwan Jennings. Um, who was their their uh, just their, yeah, Mr. Cowell, everything, especially especially offensively. But um, I just don't see. I mean, they still have a lot of holes. I mean, they either have a great offensive line, um, but well, is it going to be great? It's, it's a highly rated offensive line. Do we know that it's a great offensive line yet? No, because we've gone through that problem last year. Yeah, like they they, they do have some highly rated guys on the offensive line. I will give them that. But those guys haven't performed that level. Like they were only eighty seventh in rushing offense last year. Now those guys were young. I get it. But I don't know if we know. Like, everyone says, yeah, it's this great offensive line. It's a very highly rated offensive line. I'm not sure they're great. Yeah, I don't know. Just just me on that. Uh, what do they do at quarterback? To me, that's a mess for them. You'll probably see uh, Guarantano start because he, he's more of a weapon, especially with his legs and things like that. Um, but I really just don't know. Well, you're not ready to say Harrison Bailey's the savior yet? Um, well, honestly, more people are going to be talking about Maurer. Brian Mowry, it's a mess of that position. I don't know. Like, to me, that's the like they're getting some love this preseason, or I guess this offseason, about them taking that next step. You know, they had they had a nice was eight wins last year, nice solid year, big step forward in the right direction. I'll give them that big solid step in the right direction for them. But they still didn't beat anybody in the regular season with a winning in the ACC with a winning record. Um, still lost to to BYU and in Georgia State, both at home. I know those were early in the year, and they kind of and I will give uh, their coaches up credit for kind of rallying the troops and getting that shit back on track. Um, they did a solid job there. But this, the fact is they just have not recruited anywhere near the, – they're recruiting better, but nowhere near the level that we are recruiting at right now. Um, the roster is nowhere near where our roster is right now. They're playing here in Athens. They have a mess of a quarterback situation. I don't know what that's going to look like. Defensively, they have they're, – they are getting better defense. They're putting together more pieces, but they lose their best player, Darrell Taylor. Um, Henry Toe, however you say his last name, uh, was really good for them last year inside linebacker. I'm really high on him. He's more of a new age, three-down type linebacker, good player. Two good corners in Lante Taylor and Bryce Thompson if he can stay out of trouble. But outside of that, like that's – I don't know if they have much – a lot of uh, high-level talent on defense besides those players right now. I mean, you mentioned they lose their two best receivers. Uh, I think Ty Chandler and Eric Gray are a nice one-two punch at running back. But, again, like we're talking about just having talent in spots. They don't have talent up and down the roster yet. So if you're coming into Athens against our defense, late in the season when our offense should be kind of hitting on all cylinders by then, hopefully as long as we're staying healthy, I have a hard time seeing how Tennessee wins this game. So I think t- like it might be slightly too high. Uh, just because of the rivalry factor, and they, they are starting to put some talent together. They have a good coaching staff. But I think it's just about right. I, I would say about 90, 85 to 90% is just about right in my mind uh, with that matchup this year. Tennessee's moving in the right direction. I'll give them that. They are moving in the right direction. They're getting out of the basement. But I don't know if this is the year. I'm not ready to say that yet. Uh, all right. And the last conference game of the year is in Lexington, Kentucky, another underrated SEC town. Um, the ESPN FPI gives us an 82.6% chance to go into Lexington and come out with a victory. Kurt, how do you see that one? Is that just right? Um, yeah, I see that as just right. How good of a coach is Mark Stoops? Like, I think this guy is as good of a coach as there is in the SEC. Like, he he does a lot really with what good. little he has. He's really, really good. I mean, and just their entire staff. Like, how they transformed their entire offense last year and salvaged that season – 
with Terry Wilson going down early in the year and, and Lynn Bowden at quarterback. I mean, that was unbelievable. Like when when Bowden when, when they announced he was going to play quarterback full time, I was like, dude, your season's done. I mean, but they no, should I was have wrong. Florida beat. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely have Florida beat, and I was wrong on that. And I, I want to give them credit for just completely revamping everything in the middle in the middle of the season. It's one thing to do it in the off season, but in the middle of the season, changing your entire offense like. That's almost unheard of, and, and, they, and they did it well enough to get to a bowl game. They, they had a good year, um, and they're 25th in overall returning production. 78% of their defense, uh, defensive production is returning that last, from last year. And get this, remember how good they were uh, with, uh, with Josh Allen two years ago, right, when they were making that run for the SEC East crown? Yeah. And their defense was really good, but they were only 23rd nationally in 2018 that year, uh, giving up 337 yards a game, which is really good. But last year? Even though they only had 39% of their uh, returning defensive star percentage are returning players back from that year, uh, they ended up better statistically last year defensively than they were in 2018. Even without Josh Allen, without all those guys, they were 20th dashing and gave them only 322 yards a game. That's what I'm talking about with Mark Stoops. That guy can coach defensive football. So and most of those guys are coming back this year. I think they're going to be even better defensively. Um, and I, I expect them to put up a fight. And, and they, they put up a fight, you know, um, the last two times we were up there. Now, actually, I have to take that back. The first time we went up there with Kirby, they put up a fight. And that was when Ryan had to kick that game-winning field goal. And that was when the uh, Respect the Specs was born. And then we went up there as a highly uh, uh, pumped-up game. And uh, we went up there and just kind of steamrolled them in 2018. But this is a good program. Like, like, Mark Stoops has done a really good job getting this program on the right track. Um, we are clearly more talented. We're the better football team, and we should absolutely win this football game. I think 82.6% is just about right. But I do have a lot of respect for them. I have more respect for them right now, honestly, than I do that Tennessee program. Uh, and finally, let's wrap it up with the joke by Coke. Uh, ESPN is giving us a 94.2% chance to beat the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets at home. Kurt, is that too high, too low, or just right? I think it's too low. I mean, we put up 50 on them with probably our worst offense we've had in 10 years. Bingo. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree, man. It's way too low. I mean, th- honestly, this should be 100%. And, and I mean, it's sad that they celebrate. I'm not even about that. I mean, you saw all, you heard all of Georgia radio talking about how great of a job he did recruiting oh my what, God. in the top 25 last year. I mean, oh my give me God. a joke. Oh, my God. Like, honestly, this has to be 100%. If we, like, if we, there's, how do we lose this game? If we lose this game, I, then, and what I think, too, I think, like, when we used to lose to Tech, is because at any one time their offense could give you a problem the way they were the way it was. So unique, but that's not the case anymore. They try to run a, a regular offense, and they're, they're no longer a specialty that you have to prepare for all year and try to do things. Um, and I honestly believe Kirby just hates Jeff Collins. Oh yeah, Kirby wants Kirby's not above making a point if he if he has to. We saw that last year with as bad as our offense was, we were just putting up points. Um, yeah, you're exactly right. I love what you said there about like they're not especially offense anymore. So when you're trying to run a normal-ish, spread-ish offense and you're doing with inferior talent, how in the world are you going to beat your in-state rival who is recruiting as well as anyone in America at, at their place? It's just simply not going to happen. It's just not going like, to happen. For our biggest game is Alabama. Their biggest game is us. And, sure. and Collins will beat us, no doubt. But it doesn't matter, honestly, this year. And I'm not, I'm not saying they can never get competitive with us again. I'm not saying they can't. Like, I mean, they may be competitive with us, but they're never going to get – it'll be like every couple of years where they have a senior-laden group that they'll be a competitive hard team to beat. Yeah, they'll have to cycle up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, kind of like the Kentuckys of the world, those kind of teams. South Carolina's, you know – Yeah, like it, when they get a Cash Daniels, someone who's been in the program for a while and yeah. balled in and things like that. Yeah. But they don't have that. 
I mean, I've been on record saying there's no reason that University of Georgia's football program should ever lose to Georgia Tech. I know that sounds like hyperbole. I mean that with every fiber of my being. I mean, I know we got to be scared because they have people like David Curry and them over there doing their dances to get teams going during workouts, but it's not going to help you win on the field. We should never, ever, 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 ever lose them for any reason. It should never happen. I'm not saying they can't get better and get closer to being competitive with us. And I think that'll probably happen with Collins uh, over the years as they get more more talent. I mean, again, relatively speaking, than what they have now. But this ain't the year, man. It ain't happening. This is 100% a win. It's got to be. So I, think, I know it's 94.2%, but I still think that's that's too low. But um, all right, guys, this is a lot of fun to actually talk some football. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I know we're kind of all over the place here. But uh, just wanted to get some actual hardcore football talk out there for you. You're not really getting this much anywhere. And we wanted to, to do that for you here today. We saw the, uh, the ESPN FPI numbers and thought it would be fun to kind of just get on here and uh, and just go back and forth with it. So that's what we did. But we'll be back next week. We'll definitely recap uh, where all of our guys ended up going in the NFL draft and uh, kind of how we project their NFL careers going. Can't wait to see how that plays out. Hopefully we get um, a nice presence in the first round. I know we're going to have at least one guy going in the first round. Kurt, real quick here, Kurt. Uh, I know by the time most people listen to this, it's already going to have happened. But where or how many how many guys? Actually, yes, over under three first round draft picks for Georgia. Um, under. You going Thomas and is there another one? Is Swift going to be in the first round? Yeah, I'm going to go Swift. Yeah, I'm hearing the there's some teams like the Dolphins. I'm here are looking hard at him. I think the 26 pick. So uh, I, I say for sure Andrew Thomas definitely 100. I'm pretty confident Swift's going to go in the first round. Um, there's some buzz right now that Isaiah Wilson. Some teams are looking at him potentially in the first round as well. We'll see. I don't know if I buy that yet. And Jake Fromm is the I don't know man. I, I don't see Fromm in the first round. I hope to God he gets there. I don't see it. Um, but it just takes one team to for him to just sell them on him and, uh, and it's certainly possible but yeah i think it's under as well i'd say two's proud the number but uh hopefully we um we surprise everyone and uh, have a really nice showing in the first round but uh, we'll have that all covered for you guys next week thanks for listening we love you guys stay safe out there for curtis i'm tyler and as always go dogs <laughs>